The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. A good February, all in all. Asking myself, hmm, what could go wrong? And that is worrisome. Japan, recession and inflation. Very confusing. And our guest today is Steve Sanders. He's the EVP at Interactive Brokers. All this and much more on episode number 858 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Welcome to March. It's Andrew Horowitz, and here we are two months down and 10 to go. We have a lot of interesting things that are happening, of course, with the markets, the volatility surrounding the, hey, we have inflation. We don't have inflation. We have some inflation and the confusion about what the Fed's going to do. They're going to do three, four, two, none. I mean, that's what's been going on, right? But we did in February. Things uh, looked pretty up, especially as led by the mega caps. Once again, the big seven, six, five, whatever the number is doing really well. So we got to congratulate the markets saying again, well, that was one for the record books that is in, or at least one for the books that is in. And it's been a pretty good trek, even though we did see some of that, you know, on and off volatility that was pretty harsh at times, but generally kicked back and did better. And a lot of people are asking themselves, you know, what exactly would it take to take markets down at this point? I mean, if you think about all the things that the markets have had thrown at it recently, the fact that we've had wars, we've had, you know, we've had we've had disease, we've had uh, shutdowns, we have governments that are in disarray, we have uh, political instability, we have interest rates that are being risen at record rates, we have an inverted yield curve. I can go on for the next hour if I just sat here and thought about all the different things that have been hitting markets, but nonetheless, they keep on going up. And why is that? Well, the reason is there's optimism. There's thought that, you know what? It's not now that I'm buying this stock for. It's sometime in the future, which is good. Finally, finally, people are getting the message that maybe it doesn't make sense to trade in and out every single second of every single day. A little trading here and there, okay. But generally speaking, Find quality, stick to it until such time they aren't the quality that you thought they would be. That's what you should be looking at. The second thing that I think is really interesting that you need to consider is the idea that, well, when we are looking at um, the current market environment, what is it that is really triggering and sparking the rallies and the continuation of people sticking to the names they're in? It's all about earnings. Earnings have been really solid. Or at least not as bad. I shouldn't say that. Let me back that up. Not that not as bad. They're not bad like was originally predicted. I even thought there was going to be a slowdown due to a concern about margin compression due to the fact that we, were going to, we are seeing a significant amount of increases in prices on the PPI, the producer level. And what was going to happen? What was going to happen was we were going to see margins increase substantially. 
right? We're going to see margins, uh, the pricing increase substantially, and margins really shrink. Profitability be problematic. Well, with prices increasing, we probably were going to see revenues increasing until such time that people just couldn't spend anymore. But the opportunity to find companies that are having earnings growth, net earnings after expenses, was going to be problematic, and that was going to be slowing. But because of the way of the structure of the markets, when we look at the S&P, that didn't necessarily happen because the market cap weighting of the large names that really did well. Now, at the same time, we're seeing, I would say, close to high levels that we've seen even back to the, I would say, 90s of where the P.E. ratio on a forward basis is. Matter of fact, a recent research piece that was done that I was reading last week showed that our current P.E. ratio of the Magnificent Seven are higher than the technology company's P.E. back from the 1999-2000 time period. That's of interest. Really, well, more than of interest. I mean, it's a time to be concerned. Again, asking myself what could go wrong and realizing that if I'm thinking that, what else is involved and who else is thinking about this? Because I think a lot of people have said, you know what? There's nothing really that can hurt markets at this point. And that's the times that I start getting concerned when I see the VIX plowing down sub-levels. We talked about this last week with our guest, Larry McMillan, and probably next week with our guest, um, from hedge fund uh, telemetry, Tom Thornton, Thomas, Thomas Thornton. We'll talk about it with him. But the idea that hedge funds are starting to dump some of their particular holdings right after the NVIDIA earnings that came out, and still we're seeing markets uh, really bounce on every single possible move that's out there, that's just something that we want to think about. Is it a caution flag? Maybe. But as Larry McMillan said, it's not the absolute end all. And you got to wait for the actual turn for making decisions that may be contrary to the current trend. Right now, what is happening, what is good is that earnings are there, kind of Goldilocks, I hate saying that, but earnings are there. And on top of what's going on with earnings is the fact that we have one other thing that's really important. If the Fed is perceived to be friendly to markets, and that's not only here, but around the world. The realization that if, in fact, things get really ugly, they will step in again. And that backstop, that implicit put that we have with the Fed is, is something I think people really, really take to heart. So kind of giving you the summation of what's going on. Japan, well, if you've just seen that the stock market hit a 34-year, I think a 34-year 30, high, all-time high after 34 years trying to climb back, pretty impressive. So... Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Well, let's get to our guest today and see what he has to say. Why don't we? And our special guest today is Steve Sanders. He's the Executive Vice President, or EVP, of Marketing and Product Development at Interactive Brokers. And he oversees all the marketing product development efforts. Been there 23 years. And uh, he introduced uh, uh, you know, companies with the low commissions, advanced trading technology, lots of stuff he's been on before. Always happy to have him. Steve, how are you? I am fine. Thank you for having me again, Andrew. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Friday. That, that's that's unbelievable. 23 Absolutely. years. 23 years. And you still eat the same lunch every day, right? 
I still eat the same lunch every day. And I'm still married to my wonderful wife. Wow. 35 years. So. Either you're good at what you do or people just can't get rid of you. Either one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> can't get rid of me. <laughs> Got him in the basement. Uh, like right. that movie Office Space. Remember that guy? <laughs> I remember that guy. <laughs> so last time you were on back in November, we talked about, um, if you remember, IBKR Campus. And we talked about the educational tools, uh, which is a wonderful tool for education. And, and, I, and I always talk about, you know, what's the purpose of, you know, what are, what are we doing here? Um, what are we doing here on the show? Why am I, you know, from, since I don't know, 2007 talking about what? Well, we're talking about educating people to make sure that they have long-term financial security through investments and investment means and all that. So, you know, it's the more you know, right? Right. You know, sometimes the more you know, the more confused you can get too. That that's true, also. And you know, but 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 I guess I when I was thinking about it, and 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 probably with all the things that you put together from an educational standpoint and um, from from a you know, programmatic standpoint, uh, I think also the more you know, the less mistakes you're probably going to make in the world of investing. That that's correct. That that's always uh, that's always been what we've been about. Uh, educating our clients so that they could, uh, you know, do do their best. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. I mean, and obviously, even with the greatest education, we, we know that there's winners and losers. Let's talk about, I want to really get into, because um, I'll share this with my audience, you know this. I mean, we use IBKR's desktop programs, and there's a few different ones between the classic and mosaic and I'm a creature of old school, so I use the classic. That's what I do. I've tried to use Mosaic, which is fine also. But, you know, what you get used to, and it all works. But I want to talk about that and um, some of the other things that that we use that I know I – don't, I don't know if many individuals know that they actually can utilize the same – it's I, relatively identical to the products that many um, professionals use. Right. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. Right. It's a professional grade product that can be used by individuals. That's correct. We got started in the options market making business. We used our tools for our own professional needs and then we introduced them uh, out to an audience, a like minded audience that would be interested in those tools. So let's talk. start with with one of the tools that is the. I guess the centerpiece, well, at least for me, it's a centerpiece always up, yeah. up every day is the, is the, is the desktop. I mean, there's also, you have other mobile programs and things like that, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's focus in on the desktop. Tell okay. me, tell me what some of the things that are going on there. So, so let me tell you about an exciting announcement, uh, oh. the evolution of all this. Oh, so we, we started out with the uh, Trader Workstation um, in, in the 90s, and it was a spreadsheet-like um, interface where you can put lots of tickers on the screen, um, very different from everybody else. And that's what we used for our options market making. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had that for a number of years, and then we said, you know what, we're going to we're going to introduce something a little more modern. So we introduced the mosaic and, and we, um, we, we put that online. Uh, and, and the comment we always get from no new users is this looks like it was built in the nineties. So lots of people still like it and love it like you. Um, it's really convenient to use once you know it. And if you're a trader or, you know, it, it, it's really what a lot of traders need, 
But the issue is, um, as we've built more and more features into it, it's hard to find them. Yep. So yep. We, we are introducing um, in the next day, it's been out on our website in, in beta, the IBKR desktop. It's a much more modern um, interface. I think it's absolutely wonderful. But what is best about it is it's intuitive and you can find things. So rather than searching through a bunch of menus, layers and layers of menus to find the tool you want, uh, there are basically four tabs that you can navigate to almost anything you want. And, and generally, I find the things I'm looking for are in the right place. So, so that's what's most exciting about it. And I, I hope everyone will uh, take a look and, and consider it. So wait, is this, do you, just, just tell, just back me up here. Because I, I think, uh, this, this is news to me, by the way, too. When is okay. this launching? Or when did it launch? It's, well, it already launched into beta. Oh, that's and, right. And yeah. um, we should be doing a press release for official production um, in in the next day or two. Wait, so we're scooping this? You're scooping oh, it. Oh, I love that. So, um, so th again, what's the point? The point is you've you've taken away the I don't know. I'm paraphrasing. Tell me, um, you took away the complexity, but kept the customization. We kept what people love about it mm -hmm. right which is you know the spreadsheet like um, um setup where you can put lots of tickers on the different lines everything you would have liked in the in the trader workstation is there mm -hmm. but it's been organized into four tabs versus what versus what you had before what, what was it what, what we had before was just the that well the classic was just one screen with a bunch of menus and you had to go Searching through the menus. A lot of menus, by the way. To find the bond scanner yes, yes, or whatever, yes, yeah. whatever you want, well, right? And buttons, buttons too. And and lots of buttons. <laughs> yeah, buttons, and, yeah, buttons. And, and the mosaic <laughs> had, has lots of windows, right? right so right. you got to find the right window that you want to use. This is organized into four tabs and, and the things you want to, and a much more modern interface. We use the latest, um, you know, U, UI tools. But this is organized into four tabs so that you can find the things that you want to when mm -hmm. you need them. But you can still and, open up multiple windows, I assume, to like, for example, maybe have three different charting windows that link up to a particular stock when you click it yes, or something like that, right? Yes, you, yeah, you yeah. still you 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 still have that, but right. you can you you can toggle back and forth more easily. Yeah, that well that makes sense. So that's going to launch now. It doesn't your the history. I don't know. You tell me, but the history has been. You don't necessarily discontinue something outright if people are using it, right? You're not like that, one of these. That, you're, not, that, you're not a pusher. That, that that that's right. So we've had the classic TWS, which you told me before you still use, mm -hmm. and and we didn't take that away when we introduced the mosaic, and we're not taking either the mosaic or the TWS away when when um, you know when this is in full swing the IBKR desktop. Um, the goal is to build all the tools into the IBKR desktop that are now in the TWS right. and, and the Mosaic and build new tools into it. So maybe someday people will just say, you know what, why am I dealing with the old TWS? But there's no plans to take it away at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, that 
again, everybody's use for things is different. You know what I would use it for? Now, if I was an individual trader, I would definitely be using, I think, well, combination mobile and mosaic. That That's as if it was, if I was a standalone individual right. uh, investor. You know, I'd be using mosaic. I'd have multiple windows. I'd have, you know, four or five charts on a click on one screen. I'd have my fundamentals on another, you know, fundamental browser on, um, uh, uh, on another screen, um, the Explorer. I'd have maybe the options sitting on another screen so that when I click, whatever stock it is, you know, I'd have the portfolio too, obviously uh, yep. on, on, on the, on the main part. Um, and then I click and all of a sudden I have, okay, there's my option change, click, you know, open up, there's my, my charts that open up so I can see that what's, what's going on there. Uh, I maybe have some basic charts, maybe some technical analysis. I mean, I'm just telling you how I would set it up. Like two screen setup is a minimum that I would, right. that I would think about. Um, and then, you know, then you have, also the tabs, by the way. So you could have multiple things. You could have like my watch list in one of yeah. them. You could have- well, watch lists are actually one of the tabs. Right. Which I'm sure um, has like major movers, markets, things like that. Yeah, exactly. And and research is another. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, take a look. You'll, you'll really like it. But, you know, back to your point, you know, the one thing I've learned in 23 years is if you go out and try to change something- um, even even if it may be much much better, you get a lot of angry people. Yeah, people don't like change. Right. <laughs> if they got up on the left side of their bed and put their right sock on first, that's what they want to continue doing. Yeah. So yeah. we will let those people do that, and we will introduce something new, and hopefully people will try we'll it transition. out and really like it. Yeah, right. I think I think that's smart. I mean, the the, the bottom line is, I, by the way. Talk about IBKR desktop. Um, something that I actually—it's interesting. Uh, no, and my, this I started watching this today because I got an email and I looked at something different. And there's different ways we do whatever on trades, but I was looking actually. I, I thought I thought it was really fascinating. Um, it's it's something you've had in existence for a while. It's the algos, the the trading algos. Yes, which is interesting. Um, so just to set the stage, if I may, and then you can take it from here. When you have yeah. an opportunity to buy, well, let's just make it easy and say a stock. You say, okay, I want to buy Apple five shares at one hundred and you know seventy five dollars a share, uh, limit order at one hundred and seventy four fifty, or you could say market, or you could say um, bid, or you could say ask. You know, you drop down. What are we buying at? Or you could say a certain price, or you could say something like mid. Right? There's different things that generally happen. Well, one of the things on IBKR is. An IB, IBKR algo. I think you just shortened it to IB algo. I think you call it. Yeah. Um, and what that does, the settings on that. Uh, and what the set is so fresh in my mind because I just watched the video on this. Uh, be, and what you do is you say, well, I want to do a market order uh, algo, which says, hey, get in there, not necessarily market, um, be easy or be aggressive uh, or be patient. And what it will do is it will try to hit between the bid and the ask and keep on doing a few things in milliseconds, by the way, is my interpretation, kind of going out there and banging around trying to find the best price and getting you a better execution than maybe just a simple market order. So take it from there. But did I get that all right? Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely correct. So what we have that, that other brokers don't necessarily provide are over 100 orders and, and algos, as you've mentioned, and you can do all sorts of things as well as our um, ATSs. So you could go in there. I mean, at other brokers, you know, you're, you're, you, know you, you, you put your order in and you, you, 
take the liquidity out of whatever's posted there. Mm -hmm. If you're a little more patient, you can put liquidity in there and wait for somebody else to come along and 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 get a better price. So so we have you know things like scale trader and and accumulate distribute and you know uh, iceberg orders and all these different things depending on you know what your goal is. But a lot of those um, are, those those other ones are going to be more for the institutions, right? Where you're ordering big tickets. Hey, look, look, it, anybody who wants to learn about them can go to our order types page or Algo's and order types page and learn about them and 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 use them the same way any institution would use them. That's a good all, point. Because all, all it takes is is homework. In fact, there are a lot of people at the institutions that that don't bother to do the research on the tools and maybe there are some tools there that they should be using. That's a good point because so, uh, you know, I was thinking yeah, if somebody wants to buy 5,000 shares or something, it's going gonna, gonna to be a million-dollar ticket. That may not be your average individual. But then again, there are share there there are stocks that trade in at a dollar. If you're going to buy 5,000 shares, you may want to use a, a slow accumulation um, algorithm to get into it. That That's absolutely right. And maybe if you use some of these tools, you'll you'll discover how well you do, and maybe you'll get that million dollars and you'll be yeah. your own. There you go. Right? Well, you can turn pro. <laughs> right. So you're the pro. <laughs> some of the other things in the in the in the background of oh, I didn't know that, right? Where an individual looks at a um looks at a uh, 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 uh their screen and, and they're like, wait, wait, I see that coming by. I didn't really understand it, is securities lending. And and I would I'd like to try just for a moment, because most people when they hear the basics about security lending, where wait a minute, let me get this straight. I'm giving interactive brokers or broker ABC the right to 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 take my shares and give them to somebody else. What what the hell is that's not happening? But that's not really what's going on necessarily, right? I mean, it is what's going on, but you're not going to lose your shares. No, you're not going to lose your shares, and and normally, well, the only way somebody a, a broker can lend out your securities is if you're taking out a loan, right? Right. Or you sign an agreement with us, a stock yield enhancement agreement that that says we can lend out your shares, even though you're not borrowing from us. And whatever we make from that other broker, we'll split with you 50-50. Mm -hmm. So it's an opportunity for free cash if, if you sign that agreement. And what you're holding, you know, tends to be more on the hard to borrow side. Now, I will tell you, securities lending is, you know, the brokers over the years have kept it very, very opaque. Well, of course, because they, now it's a zero they, split. Right, because <laughs> because it's it's a it's a profit center for uh, most brokers. We we trend, tend to make it as transparent as possible. You can see the rate that that you know we're lending at. You can see the inventory that we hold and we also added new tools are to our securities lending dashboard that tells you what's happening um, in terms of inventory at other brokers. Mm -hmm. So if you're considering um, borrowing, you know, you, you want to borrow shares and you want to go short, 
Um, you can certainly use these um, these tools to understand what what your cost is going to be, and and not just see it on your statement. You know, the next day, what whatever was charged. But you. but the thing is, when you lend through this stock yield enhancement program, is my security locked up, or could I just trade it anytime I want? Oh, you can trade it any. That's where I think the misconception is. Time you want, the only difference will be that if your security is lent out and a dividend is paid, you get something called payment in lieu, which is the same amount you'd receive on the dividend, but it's not actually the dividend because the dividend is is being paid to the person that borrows that those shares. And I think the important part here also is so so first we I established this point because I don't think people got confused. You know, you have a position in your portfolio that you're holding forever. Yeah. Um, because you, I don't know why, but you like this position, whatever it yeah. is, and you're going to hold it. Um, you could just say, oh, I'll do the stock yield enhancement program. And, you know, if in fact that is lent out, it doesn't always have to be, nothing happens. It stays in your account. You don't see anything. It's all in the background. Yeah. It's all electronically um, documented. That's all that's happening, really. You'll get a 50% share of the uh, margin rate that is being paid by the person that is borrowing and, and lending out. Now, some stocks that are very liquid have a low rate, very low rate. There are some That's stocks, right. though, as a matter of which, fact. Which is called general collateral yep. because it's it doesn't really have a high rate on it. You know, it's it's very, uh, it's something with a lot of liquidity. Like, yeah, like Apple's maybe, yielding what? Apple, Nothing. Google, something like that. You're not going to earn anything on Right. But you take a stock like back in the day, especially volatile ones, like um, a GameStop back in the day, you were holding, now, I'm just saying as an example, you're holding yeah. that in your account, you lent that out. There was times it could have been 150 to 200% per year. That's right. And in, in that, what does that mean? Well, that means that if you're a holder of it and you lent it out and they pay 100% as a number, you're going to get a 50% annualized rate of return. Am I right? That's correct. That's, I don't think a lot of people get that. So if you're holding some biotechs that you love, you're holding some things that are maybe hard to borrow because there's a lot of um, a shortness of liquidity, for example, um, those could be almost income enhancements. That's why you call it stock yield enhancement program, by the way. That's right. Yeah, that's, they didn't, it wasn't something, you know, it's not something like sexy. It's the stock yield enhancement program, which right, basically no. tells you everything you need to know right, right. there. Tells you, know? you what you need to know about it. <laughs> so um, that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't really you know, know about. And I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of people, if if they are not educated in it, don't really understand that that is maybe being done anyway with the hypo general hypothecation agreements that are signed well, uh, with, many, remember, with many. Yeah. Remember that can only be done if you're borrowing from the broker. If your shares are fully paid and sitting in your account, the broker cannot lend out your shares. The right, only but, way right. The only way we could lend them out is if you sign that that stock yield enhancement agreement that says we can lend them out and then we share the revenue. Could this be done in non could this be done in, in qualified accounts? IRAs, things like that? No, I don't think it, I don't think so I, either, because there's no margin you on that. You can't really borrow in IRAs, so it 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 it, it wouldn't Right. Yeah. No. Yeah, just making sure everybody I, knows I everything. Yeah, I don't believe so. Yeah. No. All right. Let's uh, let's 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 kind of move along because there's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, which I, I was, I've looked at. Um, again, uh, uh, some things are for me. Some things aren't. Just like everybody out there, right? Yeah. You know. Um, 
Talk to me about the retirement planner. This is under the category of, I guess, uh, investment planning, long-term financial security for your, for, your, for your clients. Yes. So our portfolio analyst, which I think I've spoken to you about a few times, yep. is our portfolio management system. It allows you to consolidate, you know, a number of brokers and banks and, you know, into one platform so that you can uh, see your performance. It gives you all kinds of risk measures and everything else that, that you would want to see. Uh, and the last piece of this that, that we're building out now are the uh, planning tools. So the first planning tool that we put in place was um, allocations which basically you set up what you want your allocations to be by asset and sub-asset class. And we tell you how you're doing against those goals. And the next piece of this is our retirement planner where it takes all your assets, you put in a bunch of assumptions on how long you're gonna be working, uh, what, what you think your rate of returns are gonna be, what mm -hmm. you think inflation is gonna be, your your retirement plans and everything else. You put it all in there and it shows you the the cash flows and it tells you, oh, you also put in there when you think you're, it will be the end of your life. Oh, and, and, uh, morbid. right. It's morbid, <laughs> but, but necessary. Yeah, I get it. Right. Because what this planner is going to tell you is, do I have enough cash flow for the rest of my life? Ah. Yeah, something about running, living too long, uh, and your you know, outliving your money is not a pleasant thought. No, it is not. Yeah. So, what this tool will do, it kind of automates everything. It takes all your accounts, it puts all the assets in there, Social Security, everything else, and you put in your expenses. And you know, if if you have if if your cash flow outlives your life, then then you're doing a good job and. Maybe you could even spend more and, and take more trips. And, and if your cash flow doesn't outlive your life, then maybe you want to think about getting a second job, uh, cutting <laughs> back on your expenses or something else right. that are going to get you yeah. to the end of your Yeah, start, you know. or start smoking. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, um, you, may, you may not like the answer. Right, but, right, right. But, you know, it's but, funny, Steve, all these things, we've talked about a few things so far. You have not yet raised the, 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 I'm surprised actually, that you have not said the word artificial intelligence or AI. Is that somewhere coming or is it like, because a lot of this stuff is, a lot of firms would be like, oh, we have AI developing your uh, phone, uh, you know, your retirement plan. You, you talked about automation, your machines. Is that something that is, I'm, I'm, I'm switching gears here, sorry. Is, yeah, that just, okay. is that just overused right now in the industry? People have been using, you know, AI for years. I mean, it's basically regression. And, and, and back in the day, you know, maybe 20 years back, it was called neural networks. Oh, the but, neural networks. I remember those. Right. You remember those. But we've been, we've been embedding it. You know where it makes sense for years. I mean, it's in it's in our search and other places. So um, and and we continue to research areas where where you know it, it it actually makes sense, and we will continue to research and put it into various different places. But this whole thing that that it's new and 
And, um, you know, it's going to change the world tomorrow. I, I, I think it's more evolutionary as people find, you know, places where it can be used. Right. Exactly. So um, the, the other thing that I think is, is really interesting in terms of the, the, um, the power. So there is a lot of, of I, I would say, hoops that people have to climb through in order to get data, information. Information is power when it comes to investing. Now, there's two different schools of thoughts on this. You know, some people are all about fundamentals. We had somebody on recently. We were talking about trend file following, and we were talking about the idea. Um, I really went. I recently went to a, a a really interesting. I was down in Miami at the Nasdaq. I was an ETF forum or something like that. But there was Dorsey Wright, which was talking about uh, the Relative Strength Institute. That's what I attended. And it was, um, you know, all about, um, you know, momentum and, 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 and trend and relative strength and all that. Different ways to look at the same market, you know, by many people. But one of the things a lot of people want to do is find out some very basic points about what the stock all about. Like, what is this? Now, if you're on one side, you're looking at charts and you're an absolute technician. You're like, who cares? I don't care if this thing is out of business. If it's trending right, I'm going to buy it or sell it. Whereas there's a lot of people that says, you know, I'd, I'd like to find out more. And one of the things that you put in place is, I think, I think at least an, an, an easy, an easily accessible and very compact view of fundamentals through the Fundamentals Explorer. That, that's correct. And, and not only is it compact and have all the information, but it's worldwide. And not only is it worldwide, it's available for all asset classes. Now, what do you mean worldwide? Sorry, buddy. I, I think people understand. Anywhere but, in but, the world. We, we, we trade all around the world. And I think it's uh, 35 countries at this point, over, over 100, um, you know, 120 market centers. So what I mean is stock trading in, in Japan or, or uh, Hong Kong or, or the UK or any of the other markets that we have. So that's kind of hard to come by that information because most brokers don't offer that trading around the world. Now, what we recently introduced, and we're going to be doing more of this, we call it free to air, meaning that these tools were always available in our in our uh, trading platforms for clients, but we're making uh, these tools available to the general public. Really? So if you go to our website, to our products um, and exchanges um, page, uh, it, it's under trading, and you type in any symbol, IBM, Google, you will get the fundamental explorer there. Now, there's certain information that we we can't make available to the general public because the the data providers don't want us to do that. But there is a lot of information there that you can see and you don't need to be a client. Uh, so I encourage everybody to look at the uh, new products. That's and, interesting and, that you do that. I mean, I'm, I'm, how does how does like a, a Bloomberg or a Reuters or how do they feel about that? Now that you well, as I said, you know, we get our data from various different sources. And, and obviously, we pay a large amount for it. And um, those things that, <clears throat> that we can't get, you know, a bargain on for the general public, you'll need to sign up and become a client. Yeah. But we'll tell you right on the page what we're offering versus what you would need to be a client to be able to see. Yeah, interesting. We, yeah, we offer all, all that data. 
So the, just to uh, back up for a second, you mentioned, you know, you're trading in 35 different countries and all that. So does that mean that, um, can, you, can you explain when you're open in your portfolio page or any other kind of trading page and on your, let, let, let's just say on your screen, you have a list of Hong Kong stocks. Yep. Right. That you're tracking. Obviously yep. they're not trading right now during the day, but they're trading not, you know, they're opposite hours. Individuals can go in and trade those stocks. Yes. So they could buy, for example, instead of buying an ADR, they could buy direct. That that's right. What's the extra cost involved? Uh, look, we we all all our cost is basically whatever the exchange charges, plus we mark it up a little bit, a smidge, but a smidge, <laughs> but certainly not you know by huge amounts. So so and I that mean, and that can the, the thing. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I want to just make sure I'm clear about this, so everybody understands this. What's cool is you can have in your account, in one page in your account, instead of opening up five different accounts with different places that only specialize in, for example, um, I'm just picking this out of the blue here, you know, like, you know, China, Hong Kong, yep. or uh, Germany, for example, yep. uh, and currency, for that matter. You could have That's it all good. circling around, all like right in front of your face on Not one account page. Not only that, but all asset classes, stock, options, futures, forex, bonds, funds, all of it yeah. from around the world. Let me ask you a question that I never asked you. Why do you think other brokers don't? Seriously, why, why do you think other brokers don't do that? Oh, it's it, it's a horrible pain to put this all in <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I've witnessed it over the years. Uh, and, and it's a huge investment in technology. The reason we got into it was because our prior company, Timber Hill, was an options market maker, and we had operations all around the world. So we were always global in our thinking and what we had to implement. And then we took all of that and offered it out to the general public. I mean, if, you were, if you're a firm, a broker, just operating in the U.S. and you don't have that international experience, I, I don't even know where, where to start. Hmm. It's interesting. So It's so much different than some of the models that were out there, right? You know, where, where you go to Vanguard, they only had X amount and they only had the same mutual funds for a while. Then they, then they, then they expanded to, into, um, you know, certain areas or, you know, pick your, pick your name that you want to look at, which only has uh, a very select and even certain stocks that are a little bit thinner, aren't even available. That, 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 that's absolutely correct. And you could um, trade 24 seven on some stocks, U.S. like spy cues, right? That that's absolutely correct. We I, I remember the days when IB Traders Workstation at eight o'clock would go bing, and that was it. Remember those yeah. days? Yeah. And as a matter well, of fact, it would sh I, I would have it on an automatic shutdown at ten o'clock every night. Well, certainly futures have always traded right. around the clock right. or for for a long time. And we just introduced, as you said, twenty four hour, uh, basically twenty four hour trading. In stocks, now what makes us different than the other guys that are offering this, uh, over 85% of our accounts now come from outside the US. So if you're sitting in Hong Kong in the middle of the night, um, you know, you might have a you might have a need to, you know, during your trading day to trade Google or Apple or or whatever if if the spreads are pretty good. 
Uh, you know, if, if you're just a U.S. broker offering round-the-clock trading, you know, there are a few people that are up at one or two in the morning, but, but not that many. So, so it's like the guy in Hong Kong, he's 45, 48 years old, gets up three in the morning. He's got to take that, you know, that, that, that three o'clock in the morning discharge that older guys get. You know, you got to take a quick bathroom break. Then you go get yourself a piece of chocolate. You're like, you know, while I'm up, while I'm up. Let me see what's going on, and then you could kind of uh, track what's going on around the world. And if you need to make a trade, make a trade. That that's right. Or you're that guy in Hong Kong at at eleven a.m. and you can just trade at eleven a.m. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I, I like I said, I I know there's some firms, for example, uh, close the date the markets at four for trading, have a five minute four to four o five blackout. And then open back up for after hours at four o five. Right. Well, certainly that's that's, we, that's tough. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't close it out then. But certainly in terms of settlement, settlement has to end at at you know at at four. Yeah, that, of course, and, of course, money the in. Trades that yeah. are done after are, are put into the next day. Right. I want to just finish up uh, this discussion with you, and I want to thank you so much for for all the stuff that you brought so far. Talk about. Um, I, I think it's a relatively interesting phenomena. Last week we had Larry McMillan, Larry McMillan on, you know, Larry, uh, yeah. you know, the options guru, right? So, yep. so uh, Larry and I were talking about weekly options, uh, zero day options. And I asked the question of whether or not he thought that the zero day and the, the near day expirations were sort of messing with markets a little bit pushing and pulling them a little bit, causing gamma squeezes, you know, and things of that nature. And he was not so sold on it that he thought there was things going on, but maybe it wasn't necessarily the short-dated options. He did think, though, that the short-dated options have more pull these days because a lot more of them in terms of volume is, you know, are going on. Um, and it's really that phenomena that, he finds most interesting. What are you seeing in that in that area in terms of the 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 old days that was like all right month month you know third Friday third Friday maybe fourth sometimes you know and quad witching triple witching now it's like every day. <laughs> what, right. What's going on? People subbing it out or what? Well, you know everything is becoming faster in life, right? So and and people's attention spans are you know they grow shorter by the day. Yeah. And I think what these over you know zero day options do is that they settle that day. You know, there's lots of volatility in the day, and you you get to see the results pretty quickly. And I think that that's interesting to to a lot of people. And and that's why I think there's there's you know so much uh, interest in it. Um, or the interest has really grown over over the last uh, couple of years. So I, I, I think that's what it, what it is now. I think as you know more and more people get into this, I really don't see it, you know, I mean uh, you know affecting the markets, um, you know, the underlying markets in, in, in a huge way. I think it's I think it's the underlying markets that really affect the zero day options. Mm, that's an interesting take. I mean, it's, 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 I agree. Uh, you take it to its next possible conclusion, we're going to have, uh, you know, 12-hour options. 
10 o'clock expiration, 11 o'clock expiration. How is that? That's going to be fun, huh? Well, unfortunately, you know, it's always the, the clearing and settlement that that's the critical path, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're going to get to one day settlement on stocks, I guess. I guess that's happening in May. But finally, finally, finally. But I, I, I would think at this point, um, you know, 12 hour options or yeah. six hour options. Yeah, what was the, what was the longest? It was T plus five, I think, wasn't it? Right. It was T plus it, five, it, T, then T plus three, then T plus one. Exactly. Wow. So, you know, my guess is that uh, six hour or 12 hour <laughs> <laughs> considering the, the the settlement infrastructure is is a tall order. Right, right. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for joining us and thank you, uh, doing that. Everybody can everybody knows where to go. Go to ibkr.com, check out all the things that are available there. You'll see all sorts of areas to click and 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 a lot of stuff that is resources for you as well that you could just uh, find it more. So at ribkrcampus.com. Yep, there you go. That one too. I'd be care. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Thank you, Andrew. Right. Take Thanks. care. Lots of great information there. I mean, you got to admit that we talked about just all sorts of tools, techniques, things that are available. The reason why I like bringing him on, there's a lot of different reasons, but um, he's accessible. That That's a big one. You know, not always can you find somebody in his position to um, come on and talk about the things that we're talking about and specifically getting down and deep into this. So that was really cool. Check it out. Uh, good information there. Um, Steve is always a, a, a bountiful amount of, uh, of of resources. So that was pretty cool. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be back next week. Thomas Thornton is going to be on the show. Hedge fund telemetry. We got to find out what's going on with the hedge funds because they seemingly are dumping certain positions. We're going to talk about that. Well, that's going to wrap it. Thanks for joining me. See you again soon. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.